Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Hello and welcome to the Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. I got a quick little bite-sized bonus episode for you today, uh, featuring my conversation with singer J.W. Francis about his spark, which was Deer Hunter's seminal album Halcyon Digest. And uh, in the spirit of quick little bite-sized episodes, I think we should just dive straight in. That's my opinion. Uh, so let's do it. Quick JW facts. JW Francis is a New York-based musician originally from Oklahoma. Musically, JW takes his lead from the greats of the downtown scene. Patti Smith, The Velvet Underground, Television, Talking Heads, The Strokes, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, etc. And he is fast emerging at the forefront of the next generation of New York greats. His second album, Wander Kid, was released earlier this year. Quick Halcyon Digest facts. Halcyon Digest is the fifth album by indie rock band Deer Hunter. The album was released in 2010 to universal acclaim, and it became Deer Hunter's most commercially successful album. It was produced by both the band and Ben Allen, who was famously at odds with Deer Hunter's frontman, Bradford Cox, throughout the album's creation. And there you have it. Without further ado, here comes my chat with J.W. Francis about Halcyon Digest. Do you remember hearing this album for the first time or uh, becoming aware of it for the first time? Oh my God, yes. Of course I remember listening to it for the first time. I uh, torrented it on my, onto my MP3 player and my family had moved to Paris recently and I was like angsty about that for some reason. So I would walk around Paris listening to this album, feeling the angst, chemical, come on chemicals. Like just, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. Were you like a Deer Hunter fan before this, or um, was it this album that you'd heard about? God, oh my god! I literally, (laughs) I literally thought we were just talking about Montreal. Now, oh my god! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, Deer (laughs) Hunter, Halcyon Digest. I was like, oh yeah, Heimel's got a like a Promethean curse or whatever. That remember that of Montreal album in like two thousand seven? Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) that's the rewind all right deer hunter halican digest funnily enough i was a teenager and i torrented it in paris and i I was same holds same holds for this album yeah um yeah but had had you been a deer hunter fan before no i had known uh i had heard that song walkabout that he did with noah lennox Mm -hmm. i didn't know that atlas sound was deer hunter at the time 
Yeah. So I, I got to have one of those great moments you have as an avid listener of music when you're like, this person is also this person. What? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I love those moments. Uh, people will one day find out my other names. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, when, like, in my uh, illegal downloading days, I like there used to be websites that kind of, for me at least, mimicked the experience of going to a, a record store where you just like flip through and see new things and kind of try things out. And because it was all free, because it was illegal, it didn't matter. And you just like take risks and whatever. So I would find things that way, just kind of like, that's a cool album cover. I'll try that. Um, but when you were torrenting things, did you like, did you stumble across this or had somebody told you about it? This was, I would do a few different things to get my music. I was subscribed to uh, Blalock's Indie Rock Playlist. I don't know mm. if you remember that, which became Burp. If mm. you know Burp, B-I-R-R-P. That's just a guy named Josh who I met years and years and years later. But he would put like a hundred tracks. He would make a playlist every month. And it would just be like a hundred indie tracks and you could torrent them. Um, and so Deer Hunter was one of those tracks. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I... I feel like most of my music discovery was like Wikipedia, <laughs> like doing like Wikipedia in like obscure genres and then trying to find like people who were curating playlists or like, you know, because for a while I was like super into Pitchfork like everybody was, but then mm -hmm. I became like super anti-Pitchfork like a lot of people became. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I was always trying to like divert Pitchfork to find my cool music, mm -hmm. um, you know. Cause I love like disagreeing with them. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't remember. I think they really like this album though. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's funny how that feels like a universal experience that like pitchfork mm -hmm. used to be this, like the go-to place where you, you mm -hmm. know, really respected opinions and people who you knew you could trust. And now it's just like, fuck those guys. They don't know what they're talking about. And they give these shitty yeah. weird reviews and they're just like contrarians and they don't care. They just want to be like, have a different opinion to everybody else. And they shit all over like really good music. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Wah, wah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, like just like who reads anymore? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um but like it would do you did you listen to deer hunter albums after this because i think this yes like this is for a, a lot of reasons um the i don't know if it's the pinnacle of their career but it was like the height of their success it's ob the, the, definitely the album that the most people listen to and it was the album that kind of gave them some commercial success but yeah. in a lot of ways it's kind of an anomaly it's not like the sound of it is different to how the rest of their catalog sounds um for sure so yeah i mean it kind of gives me hope because yeah after that i went through and like you know listen to micro castles and monomania i think monomania hadn't come out then but just like became a lifelong fan of deer hunter and so I always hold out hope that it doesn't matter at what, like, you might, you, you always might have an album like this where people like are like, whoa, it's a great artist. I'll go listen to everything. Because, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you put on an album and, like, the album's out. You're like, all right, great. And then, like, a year goes by and you're like, all right, does everybody remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just got to come out with more albums. You're like, hopefully – you know, more people will get to listen to that eventually. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I don't know. I think like having, having an entry point that I don't know how I, I don't want to say that this is like an album that's more accessible than the rest of their stuff. Cause I don't think it is. They have a lot of right. songs on other albums that are like, you know, catchy feel like almost mm-hmm. pop pop songs, you know, stuff that could be played on the radio, but I don't know if it has something to do with, uh, you know, Ben Allen producing this album for them. It was the first album that he'd done for them. And it's like his background, you know, he was like working with Gnarls Barkley and CeeLo Green and people like that. You know, he's worked with all different kinds of artists from all different kinds of genres and stuff. But um, having somebody who is like more of a mainstream kind of studio producer uh taking over mm-hmm. and i know he was butting heads with bradford cox the whole time like you know oh, of course um i've seen these quotes from bradford cox saying like you know i wanted to like record the music in like you know the bottom of a ship and he wanted to do it in a studio and it was so annoying and we just like had you know it was a bad experience. And I saw he had the Rolling Stone asked him to rank his albums and, you know, he very, um, begrudgingly did it. And he put this album at near the bottom was like, wow. Very dismissive of it. That's really funny. I think what it like really succeeds at is just this world building. You get like this whole sonic language that is really easy to like slip into and like live in. You can live in this album and Mm -hmm. like, that's what, some of the best like you've seen i feel like we've seen a lot of albums in the past five years like recently become popular that were recorded in like the 70s and the 80s and a lot of like ambient stuff that are just getting millions of plays because they're just such good albums to live in right. and like people can just put that on like they just stream really well and like yeah how can i just feel like that's it does does that really well and i feel like it's going to stand the test of time for that even if robert cox sits on it until he's dead <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I think that's that's an interesting thing that it's like yeah it's this like convergence of so many different kinds of sounds because you know there's like this 60s 70s kind of psychedelic thing in like almost a girl groupy like spill phil spectory sounds but then also you can hear like um similarities between like this album and stereolab albums or like you know other 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 big bands that people recognize but it's still definitely its own thing so it's like people from all of these different uh taste groups kind of coming together in this place where all of these sounds converge um so i think that's right. a part of why it had such broad appeal yeah and i think it like still sticks to its guns of like being a lo-fi album you know like mm-hmm. he did definitely i'm sure he made a lot of compromises of like not recording in the bottom of the ship but <laughs> yeah. he did succeed in making it sound you know like shitty mm-hmm. like in a good in a good way <laughs> yeah yeah. You know? yeah but it's I mean, not polished right but like uh, you know, shitty, but still like friendly to the ear. Like it's not something, yes. you know, it is in no way difficult to listen to. It's like, it's, it's so, um, engaging and it's like from the first listen, you feel like, you know, you want to come back to it and there's so much stuff on it that just really stands out. But, um, right. yeah, like I said, I think having somebody who's like a bit more of a mainstream producer kind of pushing them a little bit more towards the center gives it a sound that's like, not polished, but like ha- has a little less um, fuzziness than it might normally have, even though yeah. the fuzziness is yeah. still there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
And it's funny to me that after all of that bitching about how much he hated working with Ben Allen, that they made a couple of other albums with him. And it's like, ugh, it was so annoying. But he did give us, you know, our biggest success. So I guess we'll keep doing it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That is so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also think, like, with an album like this, it must be this kind of... Uh, blessing and a curse because it is this you know thing that everybody's always going to point to no matter what other music they make and no matter whether what other accomplishments they have and it's also this band that was like constantly in flux you know it's been like a revolving door of um, members I think there's only two constant members the whole time and then everyone else has just been not interchangeable but people have left the band people have died right Um, so that has contributed to this like kind of shifting landscape and it feels like you know there was this moment in time where for whatever reason all the people who were involved made this album that was like um you know something that really touched a lot of people but again having that uh burden of, of saying this is what people view as the pinnacle of our career and you know i don't know if they they care about trying to match that success but um just like having that in mind when when people are listening to this album yeah seems like he doesn't care or like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he definitely hasn't stopped it at all yeah yeah um, like i do think i do feel about i mean like a much, much, much more extreme example. I was listening to Don McLean's first album, Tapestry. I think it's mm-hmm. his first album. And it's like amazing. And you're like, oh my God, I feel so bad. Like, this is just the American Pie guy. You know, like, American Pie became such a crazy big mega hit that, like, 20 times more people know American Pie than the name Don McLean, you know? Totally. Like, but he made great other music, but, like, total victim of his success. You know? Right, right. And it's, you know, the the same kind of deal here. I mean, it, like, not as, tra- not as tragic like, yeah. <laughs> as, like, you know, American yeah. Pie is, like, totally right. dominated Don McLean's life. Right. Just like, At least this is, like, an album and not a song. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. And I feel, I feel like, you know, they built, they had a, an existing fan base. They built an even bigger fan base from this. And I don't think it's, like, dissipated. I don't think mm. that, um, you know, they've released yeah. albums that haven't been successful at all. But... Right. Um, this is kind of the one that people point to. Yeah. It's hard. I feel like, yeah, indie bands generally, this kind of just like happens. So like people kind of put them in, you know, like Strokes, Hattie, is this it? Everyone's got, everyone kind of gets one out to be, even though Reptilia is amazing, even though Microcastle is amazing, you know, all these other albums, but you can't make them too good. Right. Right. You can't, you can't make them too good. People freak out. Yeah. And also, I think it's <laughs> funny that. Ben Allen also produced um, Meriwether Post Pavilion for Animal Collective, which that is the was, same deal. That's that same deal. Same exact deal of like an indie band. Yeah. Overtaken by their, That's so funny. Ben Allen's just like a <laughs> fucking homewrecker. Like <laughs> right. <a> homemaker. <laughs> right. Right. But, you know, the same kind of feeling that it's like producing this absolute monster hit which kind of changes the character of uh or like the public perception of the band and it gives them this whole right. new audience and then both bands just kind of going no fuck that we don't want that anymore yeah. right exactly <laughs> yeah but like you know there's something to be said for that it's like it's uh yeah. it's you, 
the the people who are making the music should be the ones who determine the course of their career and what their sound is. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking of like a band like MGMT that had this, you know, absolutely monster debut album. And then we're just kind of like, we're going to make the weirdest fucking shit that is, they'll never play on the radio. And that was like, you know, probably two, two or three albums of that. They were just like, we totally reject that idea of being like pop stars. I'm like, I feel like I would be like all in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen like everybody always goes the other way. Like I'm like, what if we just lean into this? Yeah. But yeah. I guess like I guess some people do lean in and it, it just sucks. But I don't know. We'll yeah. See how it goes. I feel like every, the instinct is to be like now. Yeah. Now it is success. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think I, I mean, especially with someone like Bradford Cox, who's you know. Uh, oh yeah bit of an eccentric guy and um you know, ha- has a, a a little bit of a chip on his shoulder just about you know the, his public perception and about kind of playing the game of being any kind of celebrity or just being in the public eye um but at the same time he makes amazing music so it's like he he's earned the ability to kind of uh i mean you don't have to earn the ability to make music on your own terms, but like in, in <laughs> the, in the midst of, you know, being some kind of celebrity instead of saying, oh, okay, I'm just going to let Rolling Stone dictate the terms and I'm just going to do whatever they say. He does interviews with them where he's just like, Ugh. <sighs> yeah, like yeah. The, the, this thing where he was ranking his albums. The first thing that they say is like, well, we noticed that you uh, left off your, the band's debut album. And he's like, yeah, I just got a new Mac and um, I didn't really know what, what, how it worked. And so I thought I was pressing like enter, but I, I just sent the email and I was like, oh, well, you know, just kind of that, that <laughs> attitude where it's like, hey, you know, you, you get what you're given and I'm not going to try too hard with any of this shit because this is right. not what it's, what's important to me. Yeah, that is funny. Are you, so are you into those other bands that are kind of uh, in the same orbit? I mean, people like Stereo Oh, Lab absolutely. Stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, Stereo Labs, huge broadcast, huge. Any, I mean, as soon as I figured out that they were like people who made like bedroom, I mean, whenever I was discovering this music, bedroom pop really wasn't a term. Mm-hmm. So it really was just like lo-fi. So I would just like look for like, anything that had that tag on it mm-hmm. um just because i was like well because i realized i was like my favorite songs are always like the demos are always like the bootlegs the rough cut you know like i always love that just like that really raw like and i realized that what i i was like do i even like songs or am i just like really <laughs> into this like sonic quality of songs like because it seemed like i was just like a sucker for lo-fi <laughs> so yeah. I went down the hole, but it turns out it just, it just happens that a lot of these songs are also just good, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like divorced from their sonic qualities. But yeah, all those bands, um, and like television personalities, you know them? No. So they're actually, uh, you talked about, uh, GMT's <laughs> next album. They have, after they did that massive one, they did congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And on congratulations, there's a song called song for Dan Tracy. Hmm. Um, and he's the lead singer of television personalities. And that's how I found that out. <laughs> so I looked at television personalities. And they have an album called, and don't the kids just love it. And it's like a really rough, like really British indie pop punk, like, 
and that got me started on like the whole like what are they called CAD bands like all those mm-hmm. like bands that just recorded the tape basically yeah. so I was like oh my god this is a whole another wormhole to go down into like yeah I was just obsessed with tape and anything that sounded warbly and whatever yeah it's kind of how I ended up with the music I have now <laughs> yeah that um label uh it, do you mean 480 that is that or are you talking For, about something Something like C seven C something with a C some oh. kind of I mean four AD is great yeah because um, I mean that's what this album came what the um, Deer Hunter album came out on that's just what I'm thinking but oh that's right yeah. that's right that's right no this is like an eighties British like post punk tape label <laughs> that like had a band camp <laughs> like someone had a band camp put like all the releases on there and that yeah. was like where I spent a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. That, that's also another thing about like, um, you know, people discovering music on the internet and people just being able to put their music on the internet. Like I talk a lot on this show about the democratization of music making and consumption that it's like, um, for a band that has any kind of, uh, niche qualities that, you know, it's like they have a very particular audience. It used to be that it was like just grafting. You had to gig everywhere just do shows and shows and shows all around the country just to be able to get the word out about your music and now with sites like Bandcamp and you know with people torrenting music or even uh, Spotify um you know people being able to just discover new things that they wouldn't have necessarily been able to find before there was this explosion of um online ways to find music and I think you know to some extent bands like Deer Hunter benefit from that that um oh totally uh especially like building up to this album that you know obviously gave them a bit more mainstream success but just people being able to find Mm -hmm. bands um even if it's not in a necessarily organic way like a lot of times it's an algorithm throwing you music but um Mm -hmm. just like being able to kind of expand your uh musical horizons without having to to work as hard um yeah I, i i really love that like that's that's one of the best things yeah. about the internet to me yeah i think of them really as like a blogosphere era band like the most prominent example would be like vampire weekend but yeah. like it's like a lot of bands around this time like really did spread through blogs and pitchfork and things like that when there wasn't spot you know it's like how did you find out what to torrent and what to illegally get it was mm-hmm. like pretty much word of mouth blogs yeah 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 and that's a um that comparison with the vampire weekend as well it's like that i think that is they're almost the opposite side of the coin from deer hunter at least you know my my impression yes of them is that like, yes absolutely they are someone who leaned in right like they're it's yeah. very clear that you know success was yeah. uh very important what and, they wanted yeah yeah and, exactly they, yeah. like they made an album and everyone was like we like that and they're like okay here's another one that sounds like it and they're like okay we like that like like okay let's make it more pop and like just keep you know, it can yeah. pop here. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, totally. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just yeah. different business right. models and um, different Yeah, priorities. they're playing Madison Square Garden and Deer Hunter's playing Webster Hall. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Ooh, shade. I was reading, they, they played All Tomorrow's Parties a couple of times, which is like this festival that I don't think, I don't know if they're doing it anymore in the UK that was curated. And oh, yeah. Um, somebody, you know, they always get 
a curator who's like another artist and they decide who the bands are going to be. And, um, usually it's at like a kind of family, um, campground type place where there'll be like cabins that people can stay in. So it's like a whole weekend thing. You're not like staying in tents or anything, but you've got like a, a real place to say it's, it's weird, but, um, they, were played one of the Altamars parties that was curated by Matt Groening, the guy who created The Simpsons. Um, yeah. Which is like, I don't know how they chose him to be the curator. Like the other ones, it's like Portishead, uh, you know, uh, Grace right. Jones, like people like that. And it's weird that it wasn't a musician, but uh, I guess that That's awesome, though. reflects so his he chose, taste. Yeah. He chose Vampire Weekend or Deer Hunter? Deer Hunter. Oh, wow. Okay, there you go. Yeah. He's for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess that means That's that awesome. somebody who has had a lot of mainstream success doesn't necessarily have to uh, only be interested in mainstream things or right. uh, you know, <laughs> the most mainstream things. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel tremendously satisfied. I feel like this has been a, Fuck yeah. uh, a yeah. great conversation. So um, thank you very oh, much for, for making time for thank me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I forgot what I uh, picked as my <laughs> big spark. I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about Sparks, baby. Yeah. And you're like, what do you think of it? And I'm like, the Sparks? What Sparks? <laughs> uh, I don't know good. why the H, the, the Halicon Digest, I just like saw that as Heimel Goodoff of the, you know, that of Montreal. And I was like, I can never pronounce. I'm like, Hissing Fauna, are you the destroyer? That's what I'm thinking. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another blogosphere event. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I mean, you know, I'm glad it, I picked that. One. Yeah, and you know, I could talk is, about any of these albums. These are free form conversations. It doesn't matter. It goes all over the place every <laughs> time. So it's uh, it's all good. <laughs> it's in keeping with what has happened before. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, deal, but man. thank you so much. Um, I, I thank you. That. All right, take care. Thanks for having me, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, bye bye. Bye. Thanks again to JW for chatting with me. His latest album, Wanderkid, is out now. Okay, a quick spark of the day from me. I have been watching Foundation, which is Apple's big-budget adaptation of Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. And when I say big-budget, I mean fucking gigantic. It looks so expensive, but uh, in a good way. It's absolutely gorgeous. The story is a little convoluted, but... um. I'm finding it thoroughly entertaining. Basically, if you like Dune, but you thought it was a little too easy to follow, then this is the show for you. Uh, And that's about it. I am back again on Wednesday for a very exciting pre-Thanksgiving episode. So, uh, something to look forward to. Enjoy yourself until then. Stay safe. And until next time, bye. Greetings from Chromatica, home of Lady Gaga, liberator of kindness punks, mother of little monsters, tricon of the ages. We are her best fans with a mission to create a podcast celebrating our hero. Broadcasting straight from Chromatica. This podcast is about Lady Gaga 
for Lady Gaga. But anyone can listen. It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. Prove your stupid love. Ace the art pop quiz. Put your paws up. And download the Chromaticast wherever you get your podcasts. Join us every other Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for our live tapings at twitch.tv slash apocalypse podcast network. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.